to the Bible Answer Show, a live and lively forum that brings together pastoral and apologetic voices from across the Christian community to answer your scripture questions. Our show is hosted by Pastor Michael Lance of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, along with a panel of pastors and other invited guests. The phone lines are open now. So, you've got questions, we've got answers on today's Bible Answer Show. Hey, welcome to the Bible Answer Show. We are live today on Friday. Uh, we're on uh, Facebook, Facebook Friday. Uh, so, uh, www.facebook.com forward slash Bible Answer Show. Hey, that's my candy, Pastor Michael. Can I have a high chew? You can have a high chew. It's uh, strawberry flavor. Thanks to Mr. Joe Kelly for uh, bringing the candy today. Hey, my name is Mike Vassaro. I'm going to be uh, answering your calls here at the Bible Answer Show, but I will be handing off your questions to our team of pastors and other invited guests, including Pastor Brian Richards, Mr. Joe Kelly, and Senior Pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship here to my left, Pastor Michael Lance. Guys, you ready to answer some questions today? I'm always in the other, the other category. What, yeah, you are an other invited Is guest. Is it other so, invited guests or just invited guests? You're just simply other. Okay. <laughs> so I want to know something. Why did you bring Mike Massaro candy and not the rest of us? I didn't think of you guys. <laughs> okay, well, we were having that's a devastating, Joe. <laughs> and by the way, I just wondered, I just have a practical question. Yes. When you eat a candy like this, do you have to go, hi-choo, when you eat it? <laughs> uh, no, it is. Have okay. you tried one of these? I have not. It's they're interesting. It's it, you start chewing it, you think it's gum, but it's actually candy. It's kind of like so. A, it's deceptive. It's a little at its core. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Okay, our first question is: Is it okay to eat high chew? High chew. So, did you say we're uh, live on Facebook? We are live on Facebook. So go ahead and tune into Facebook, and uh, if you haven't done it yet, click like on that uh, Bible Answer Show page, uh, because uh, starting next week, exactly one week from today, we will be. Doing Facebook Live only. We will not be broadcasting on Kbrite at our normal time, uh, but we will be doing Facebook Live for a whole hour next Friday, and then uh, moving forward, the plan is is to air that show on Kbrite uh, Friday nights, I believe, at six at six thirty. And we do have a Living Truth Radio program that airs on Kbrite uh, Monday through Friday at six thirty p.m., and that's where 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 we will put the Bible Answer Show. On Fridays, and we happen to be teaching through the book of 1 Samuel on the air, and uh, I think some, I, I think people are benefiting from that study. So if you're curious about the other show we do, 6.30 p.m. Monday through Friday, here on K-Bright. All right, guys. Um, before we go to a caller, we have a question that was uh, uh, given to you, Pastor Michael. The question is, uh, is, uh, sorry. Uh, uh, someone was being asked if she believed in the death penalty, and she said yes. But then this other person said, well, then you're not pro-life uh, if you do believe that. So she wants to know uh, what we think, because she says her sole reason for voting for uh, Donald Trump was because he was pro-life. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a pretty common question, Mike and Joe and Brian, and what it is is this. Okay, you sit there and say you're pro-life, and yet you are pro-death penalty. How could you categorize yourself as pro-life? This is how it happens, and and it, it's part of the debate that's happening in the culture because there are those who would say that's a contradiction. Well, let's break it down. First of all, we're, we're always going to start with the Bible since this is called the Bible Answer Show. Genesis 9-6 starts something where God says, 
This is after the flood and um, Noah on the ark. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed, for in the image of God he made man. The appeal to the reason for the death penalty, starting way back in Genesis 9-6, is because man is made in the image of God. So it is a sanctity of life issue that connects to the death penalty, which is an interesting thought. There's this uh, buttressing of why it's appropriate that someone would die because man is made in the image of God. So we start there. Now, this carries over. We have three spheres that God sets up in the Bible. He sets up the family. He sets up government and the church. Now, in Romans 13, guys, what happens is we are told that government is from God. Of course, government is supposed to promote good and stem the tide of evil. And it does not carry the sword in vain. And we've all probably looked at, taught Romans 13, and we would be in agreement to say that the sword represents the power of the government. You could say something like a police officer today, but more specifically, it's the power for capital punishment. The argument in the Bible is not about vigilante justice, but it is about the government having the right to capitally execute somebody um, you know, by going through the proper processes and so forth. And just think about it this way. If someone does end up on death row, typically they end up there for a decade or more. There's a number of appeals. And you don't, in logic, argue from an exception because people say, well, what if they got it wrong? What if the evidence is wrong? Well, that would be obviously highly unfortunate. But we're not going to argue from the exception. The courts are, do their due diligence. There's appeals. There's DNA testing. And when someone dies for a crime they committed, they've typically exhausted everything, and this person's been proven to be guilty. Now, why would this be a dilemma? Okay, well, let's think about this. Um, if someone believes in pro-choice, they believe that you can go and kill a child. Some people believe up until the very end, up until the ninth month, month of pregnancy. And they believe that it should be okay to murder a child in its mama's womb, tucked in a fetal position, should be the safest place on the planet, right? But they believe it's okay to go in and kill that child. And yet that person, I'm flipping the argument around for a second, believes that a person who heinously premeditated a murder, maybe multiple murders against a person or persons should be protected. So think about the flip side argument. That's what they're saying if they are against the capital, against capital punishment, but they categorize themselves as pro-choice. So actually it is very biblically consistent to be pro-life, believe babies should be protected in the womb from the moment of conception all the way through the end, and also believe that if someone heinously premeditated a murder of an innocent person, they could deserve the death penalty with everything you know, being done properly and, and due diligence being done. This is not a contradiction. This is common sense, actually. It, and it, it is the biblical position. I hope I explained it thoroughly, but that's what I would argue. Something to add? Uh, yeah, I you know I want to I want to be careful with our listeners not not to portray that you have to hurt you have to hold a certain political view in order to be biblical because I do believe there is a biblical side uh, other side mm -hmm. to this that that can be made 
and and they love the Lord, they love the Bible, they're not compromising their faith or, or anything like that by, by holding a different position You're on... You're saying being against the death penalty? Being, yeah. Okay. Yeah, being against it. Um, you know, I, I, I've, I've heard... Because uh, th- there's been a resurgence um, on this issue uh, to, to ban the death penalty. And uh, some of the arguments that I've seen is, you know, if you, if you want to go biblical on, if you want to start there, you know, we, we can't avoid the law of Moses. And, and we have an entire covenant there where if you uh, broke the Sabbath, you were to be put to death. If you disrespected your parents, you were put to death. Um, and, and there were many other mm-hmm. extreme situations that we would say today, well, we don't follow those. You know? So we're almost, we're almost picking and choosing which things deserve the death penalty and which don't by using Scripture. And, and, and so that, that's something to wrestle with. And the other thing is, um, as, as believers, we, we always want to err on the side of, let's give somebody an opportunity to receive Christ. Um, you know, I, I, as far as Genesis 9-6 is concerned, that if somebody takes a life, you know, their life should be accountable to that. I, I mean, that's, that's a very obvious, straightforward scripture command that God has given. But at the same time, ultimately, we want to give people, regardless of how evil they may be, we want to give them the opportunity to have their soul be saved. Sure. And Brian, let me just add that um, I think every opportunity is given to someone who is in that situation. And and I'm with you in, in this, that People have made mistakes. Um, many people have made mistakes. And mercy um, is a beautiful thing. And compassion is a beautiful thing. And there are stories in Scripture where David should have died for what he did. And he was forgiven by God and, and, and not executed. Um, from, from Genesis 9-6 into Romans 13, though, we know it's an Old and New Testament uh, reality or truth. But I, but I would agree with you. Um, we, we have to look at it soberly. Nobody would rejoice in, in the death penalty, I don't think. Um, but in some cases, I, I would argue that it is appropriate. But even in those cases, I mentioned that that person typically stays on death row for a long time. There's chaplains. There's people pleading with them to receive the gospel. So uh, we're not trying to be callous about what we're saying here. But, we're, but I'm just making the argument that it can be biblically consistent to be pro-life and pro-death penalty. Thoughts, Joe? Yeah, what I was going to add, I, I just wanted to kind of take it back to the question that this gal was being accused of not being pro-life. And so we have to be clear in our terminology and our definitions. And so someone that uh, claims to be pro-life in its historic sense, that was specifically for the defense of the unborn, not to be projected out pro-life in all other uh, situations. So that's an equivocation. So you don't want to let your opponent, in this case the person accusing you of not really being pro-life, to do that. You are pro-life. You are defending, you, your position is that an innocent person's life should not be taken and we hold that the, unburn, uh, the unborn uh, has full personhood and to terminate that pregnancy is to take that life. So we are pro-life when it comes to the unborn. And yes, some people aren't pro-life and uh, even like Peter Singer, uh, the, the philosopher, ethicist, he thinks that uh, infants' lives should be taken 
all the way up to the point that they can uh, are self-sufficient. So, I mean, we, we are coming to a point in our culture where uh, we're going to be faced with the issue of being pro-life for the elderly, for the infirm, for uh, those who aren't uh, uh, maybe have uh, physical disabilities, mental uh, incapacities, and things like that. So we need to be very clear on, on what we're pro-life for, and that's innocent life. And I know we're taking a while on this question, but it deserves the time. Sanctity of Human Life Sunday now, Joe, does talk about um, being for life from birth to natural death. So it does include the yep. elderly and those who might, you know, have what we would call disabilities and so forth. So this is a question that's culturally extremely relevant. And um, Brian, I think you made some good points in terms of we have to take a sober approach even to considering the death penalty, even though we have, uh, you know, a stream of scripture that we can look at. We, all, we also want to take into consideration God's mercy and grace. Right. But ultimately, what I was saying is that it, it's not a contradiction. And I like it's, how you clarified, you know, what pro-life actually means. And, and I think most people who say they're pro-life is not necessarily a political statement as much as it is. It's just, hey, this is where I stand on these moral issues. But I know that it's often categorized that way, you know, in the media. And if, and so and if somebody approached me, uh, how I would handle it, if, if they said, well, are you pro-death penalty? And uh, if my position is, yes, it is, and they said, well, then you're not really pro-life, I would say, well, the way you've defined it, you are correct. I am not pro-life in the sense that I will defend uh, lives that are guilty of first-degree murder. I mean, that there's nothing wrong with stating it in that way. Okay. Final right. word, Brian. Did you have any th other thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, we could go round and round on it, but 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 I do believe that the definition of pro-life is changing. It is. Um, uh, you know, there's a new generation that's that that wants to broaden that category. That that. Um, you know, pro-life can be categorized specifically as I vote for laws to be passed for abortion to be illegal, and that's it. But as the church, we should also look at, okay, well, what's causing those pregnancies? Shouldn't we also not only vote for laws against abortion, but shouldn't we be on the ground helping in uh, preventing mothers from getting pregnant if they're in difficult situations and educating them in sure. that? And shouldn't we also be pro-adoption? You know, isn't that the next step towards yeah. it? So anyways, what I'm saying is it's pro-life is should be more than just checking off anti-abortion laws. You know, it, yeah. it should be broader as a Christian. And, and Brian, I would say it is. Um, uh, crisis pregnancy centers right now are uh, offering all kinds of, um, you know, uh, alternatives in terms of recommending adoption options. They're, they're doing training. Um, there's a lot that's going on. There's, there's, a, there's a movement on the ground. And I would say that what the church already does by teaching the moral ethics of Scripture and trying to be preventative on the front side, if you will, is important as well. I know what you're saying, but I think the pro-life movement has gone in that direction, and, and there's more to do. But but certainly that that has been happening as well. Go ahead. All right, we got callers on hold. Uh, you're listening to the Bible Answer Show, one eight hundred two two seven fifty two seventy eight. The only show answering the tough questions like the death penalty with a light up <laughs> disco ball spinning in the middle. Of the <laughs> if you're watching on Facebook, we do have a light. Light, Light up disco balls. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, we have uh, a couple callers on hold. Uh, first, we're going to go to Africa. Cool name. And Chula Vista, you're on with the Bible Answer Show. Hi. 
Um, I'm calling because I just heard Dr. Yusuf said that there is no doubt that the um, Bible was authored totally uh, was was authored by the Holy Spirit. And while I know that um, all of the uh, uh, that God is one, uh, I've always been taught that the Bible was the Word of God, and that the Word is identified as Jesus. So it's a little bit confusing. Well, yeah, Africa, and, and I th- and I understand why you might say that that's a little bit confusing. But but what happens is when we're talking about the Word of God, we are talking about the triune nature of God, and so you could see all three persons involved in um, the Word of God. For example, the the famous verses, Second Timothy three sixteen, all Scripture is inspired by God, so it is literally breathed out by God. The Greek word thea, theos noustos, I believe, or thea noustos, um, is breathed out by God. So it's God, right? But we also have in Second Peter one that men were moved along by the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and nobody, you know, no scriptures of in private interpretation, but men of God were moved along by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is called the Word of God, mm-hmm. John one one, John one fourteen. The Word became flesh. Um, so I, I understand what you're saying, Africa, but I think this is not, this is not an issue. It's just really taking into account the triune nature of God. Yeah, you absolutely nailed it. The only thing I would add to that would be God has chosen to reveal himself through his son. So the Bible is from a redemptive perspective, pointing back to his son, not saying every single scripture has to do with Jesus, but it's all pointing to the cross and reconciliation through Jesus. And Jesus did say when he sent the uh, comforter or the helper, he would guide them into all truth. So we often tie that back to um, inspiration. Thoughts? Yeah, I would just want to make sure our listeners are clear on what it means that it, uh, the scriptures are God-breathed, that they are inspired. And that is that, yes, hum- it, human authors penned the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They actually, it was a physical act of writing and thinking. The inspiration is the fact that God ensures that what they wrote, without impinging on their knowledge and their personalities, etc., is exactly what he wanted to be penned. Hey, Mike, I want to take a moment while we're halfway during the show, and we're willing to stay over today, by the way, um, if we have questions on Facebook. So if you want to send a a question over Facebook, or if you'd like to email a question, it's answers at livingtruthradio.org, answers at livingtruthradio.org. If we don't get to your question today, we will get to your question in a future broadcast. Just a reminder, Mike, can you remind the folks of what's happening with the show and where we're going Right. Okay. So, and we will be on the air on on K Bright from twelve to twelve thirty until next Thursday. That will be our last uh, normal broadcast show. I believe on Friday they have a best of Bible answer show. But uh, while they're doing that, we'll be here in the studio uh, doing Facebook Live for one hour next Friday. So you can uh, type your questions in. We're working on getting a phone system set up. I think for that, so we can still take calls. But uh, after that show is recorded, the plan is is to air those uh, recorded shows Friday night at 6.30 on KBRT, uh, just as it, uh, we have a normally have the uh, Living Truth Radio at that time. Right. So we'll and, just put that into that And block. you could submit questions on Facebook Live, 
and uh, get to us. And one of the best ways to keep up with what we're doing so that we can keep you, uh, uh, you know, in tune with push notifications and what's going on is to download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app, uh, Apple Store, mm-hmm. and, Google, and, yep, the Google Play <laughs> Store, you got Google it. Play Store, Android, iTunes. Hey, yeah. download that today so that you're up to speed on what we're doing because we'd love for you guys to stick with us. And tell your friends about the show and interact with us. Download the Christian Fellowship app today. All right. And a longtime listener, longtime caller. Glad he got in uh, this week. Rod from Riverside, you're on with the Bible Answer Show. Hey, fellas. How you doing? Good. Good, Good Rod. My question for you is, uh, did you have any theories or uh, viewpoints on why Satan still has access to heaven since mm-hmm. the book of Job states that he was allowed to come along with the sons of God and present himself. Yeah, you know, um, we have some ideas, and, and there seems to be a time in Revelation 12 where the accuser of the brethren is finally cast out, and I see that in the future. Um, but he does still have access, and and the question is, why does he have access? Well, I believe because in many ways, um, Satan is, in all ways, really, he's under the sovereignty of God still. And so he has to check in with God. You know, he's not God's equivalent on the evil side. We've said that many times in this show. So he's still under the sovereign control of God. He's on a leash, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I think the book of Job shows that. But I think Revelation indicates that there'll be a time when the accuser of the brethren who accuses us, and here's another way to see this rod or it just adds to what you said he accuses the brethren day and night so that would that would mean that he still has constant access hmm. to the throne of god until some point during daniel's 70th week is my view yeah i believe satan still has access to heaven in order to maintain the purity of humans free will of our free choice we it, we if we, if we are going to truly choose good there has to be a choice for evil. And so God uses Satan for that point so that we have a legitimate choice. Um, If you remove Satan, we no longer have free will and we're no longer choosing to follow Christ out of our own volition. We're just being forced into doing it because there's no other option. Um, So Satan has access, um, I believe, you know, what you said, Pastor Michael, to accuse the brethren, but also to get permission from God to go out and tempt people and, and cause things to happen so that people will have to choose choose God. So he has to get permission. And you remember even Jesus said uh, that Satan had been demanding permission to sift him sift. as wheat. And that's an interesting language. Revelation 12.10, uh, Rod, was the verse I was thinking of that he uh, accuses the brethren day and night. Joe? Yeah, I was just uh, thinking as, as the accuser and as uh, uh, Satan has access... What greater way to magnify uh, the magnificent glory of God's work than to have it continually brought up by the accuser, and the answer is always what? That it is finished, that the work of Christ has been done, that our salvation is secure in the, uh, in the redemptive act of, uh, of Jesus. Well, Joe, that's a great lead into the gospel, and Brian, I'm going to pitch it to you. Would you... Um, you know, we may have listeners out there today that really don't understand the gospel. Would you kind of go with that 
idea of it's paid in full and preach to the people out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it says in the book of Romans that there is none righteous, no, not one. Uh, there, there are none who do good. There are none who seek after God. And, and what the Bible is saying is in our natural um, state, we would never choose God. We would never choose what's right. Um, we, we would always choose evil left to ourselves. Without God rescuing us, we, we would send ourselves to hell and, and be content doing it because we are evil by nature. Um, but the good news, the gospel means good news, is God did rescue us. He didn't just leave us to our own devices, leave us to be um, eternally lost. Uh, he sent his son Jesus. And it says in Romans 5.8 that God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't choose to die for you because you deserved it or because you're having a good day. He, he died for you when you were at your worst. I mean, you look at the cross, you look at the how brutal it is. Um, it's a picture of sin. And that's the end result of our sin. And God was willing to rescue us by paying for our own penalty. I've heard it said this way, Jesus didn't just die for our sins, he died as our sin. He didn't just die for us, but as us on the cross. And by simply trusting in him, the gospel is so much more simple than uh, sometimes preachers make it out to be. It's trusting in Jesus. It says in Romans 10, 13, those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's just, it's just simply saying to God, I, I need you to save me. I, I can't save myself. Um, I need a savior. I, I need your forgiveness. I need your new life in order to be right with you. So the question is, have you, my friend, One minute warning. have you come to that point where you have said that? Have you come to that point of brokenness and contrition where you know there's no other options, there's no other way to go, there's no other way to be forgiven, there's no other way to heaven except through the Son? And that's, you know, that's not a negative thing. That's a positive. God has made a way. He's made a way for you. You know, the ones that are sitting at this table right now answering Bible questions, he made a way for us. Mm -hmm. He is the way. There's no other way than Christ Jesus. There's no other mediator between God and man than the man Christ Jesus. And so right now, you can be born again to a living hope. You know, Jesus said it in John 3, 3. Unless a man is born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. You must be born from above. You must experience the new birth. The Holy Spirit will come and live in you. You will get a new start. It will be a new day in Christ. You'll be a new creation in Christ. But you must repent of your sin and receive him. Turn around. Do that 180 now and say, Jesus Christ, I believe. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the dead, and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Do it today, and let us know that you did. Amen. So we're going to stay on Facebook Live for another uh, however long it takes. If we got any questions? Okay, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to shoot a question over right now, we'll stay over for your question. All right. Hey, the Bible Answer Show is produced by Shane Lance and Cameron Thomas. Uh, special thanks to Cameron back there behind the camera. Special thanks to Tamara back in the studio screening our calls. Thanks to you that called in today. And thanks to everyone for showing up here today and answering questions. Have a great weekend, and we'll catch you next week on the Bible Answer Show. Thanks for joining the conversation on the Bible Answer Show. To find out more about the radio ministry, Michael Lance, or the church he pastors in Corona, Living Truth Christian Fellowship, 
visit livingtruthradio.org. Please tell your friends about us and invite them to join us any weekday here on K-Bright. And if they have questions, we'll have answers on the next Bible Answer Show. 